At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is Bet Center on VSIN, the sports betting network. Welcome into the VSIN Bet Center. Greg Peterson coming at you for the next three hours. Going to have a lot of fun with this as we've got a jam-packed day of college football. And you know what? Still got a couple West Coast games and we've got a calamity going down in Southern California that we're going to be getting to in a minute. Glad to have you aboard. Glad to have Miles Wyatt and Nick behind the scenes as well. Thank you guys for making this all run and let's get right to it. We've right now got a little bit of a situation out in Southern California, Sanford has the lead over USC by a count of 21 to 13. USC closed right around a 17 and a half point favorite. I know that this got to 16 and a half in a couple spots and man, it is not looking good for them. Caden Slovis was someone that a lot of us thought had a realistic chance at being able to perhaps be a Heisman Trophy candidate coming into the year. He had averaged at least 300 yards in his games and well, so far tonight, 18 of 26, 148 yards about as vanilla as vanilla gets. And for Stanford, they've been able to do a good job on the ground. 16 carries, 102 yards right now up by a count of 21 to 13 as it appears as though we've got a defensive touchdown for Stanford. That is going to make it 27 to 13 with the PAT defending. And this is an absolute calamity if you're USC. How Clay Helton has been able to make it to year eight in this job, we have absolutely no idea. With that said, he's currently the coach of USC and Right now, they're looking like a bit of a fade as they were able to get the job done in their week one game against San Jose State, but that was just an utter disaster for Slovis. That is his first interception of the game. Wound up going off the receiver's hands, but was thrown a little bit behind him. And then Stanford defenders just like, yep, thank you very much. I will take this in for six as there was nobody in his pass. So USC right now on the verge of being a massive upset victim and a day that has not necessarily been too good for the Pac-12. We're certainly going to be hitting on that in the first hour of this show. Going to be hitting a little bit more in hour number two on the MLB betting board because we've got a little bit of everything going on right now. As you guys know, this is a prime time for sports. We've got college football today. Week one of the NFL gets going tomorrow. We got a very nice appetizer with the Dallas Cowboys and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers doing a great battle in the Thursday night game. So we're going to be hitting that in the final hour. So we've got you covered on a little bit of everything. And let's take a look at some of the other games that are going down right now in the Pac-12 as you've got this one with Arizona not looking so good against our good friends in San Diego State. San Diego State right now has the lead by kind of 38-7. to Now, this was expected to be a relatively close game. Arizona winds up opening up a point and a half point favorite. They wind up closing at a two. And this is a new regime for Arizona, so you figured that there would be a little bit of trial and tribulation, much like San Diego State is very good when it comes to college basketball. They're a solid football team, no question about it. They're able to do a very good job when it comes to being able to field a team. They're always one of the better defensive teams in all of college football, but to be down 38-7 to to 
to San Diego State for Arizona. This is just not what you would expect as you've got the Pac-12 who was able to get one of the bigger wins in all of college football with Oregon State being able to pull off that upset against Ohio State. Rest of the conference not really holding up their end of the bargain as you've also got Utah in a battle against another team out west in BYU. And right now they're down by kind of 23-7. to You don't necessarily look at Utah and think high-flying offense, but you certainly think that things will go a little bit better than this as for Utah, you take a look at the passing game for the team thus far tonight and it has been 10 of 17 for Charlie Brewer for Charlie Brewer he's been able to give you a touchdown been able to give you an interception just has been a lot of I guess you call it ineptitude meanwhile for BYU you figured that it was going to be a little bit of tough sledding for the passing game after you had so much last year with Zach Wilson how about Jaron Hill and what he's been able to do tonight 16 of 27 a buck 39 that doesn't sound too impressive but what he's done a good job of is what he hasn't done Turn the ball over. Three touchdowns, no interceptions. He's been able to add in there the dual threat as well. Six carries for 64 yards. So he has been everything that you would hope for out of BYU. And for this Utah Utes team, well, they're just another one of these Pac-12 teams that aren't looking so good tonight as we wanted mentioning a little bit earlier what is happening with USC. And speaking of not necessarily looking so well, you've got a bunch in Colorado State that they are on the verge of perhaps going to 0-2 after they wound up losing to the Jackrabbits of South Dakota State. Now, I will say this. If in week one and week two, you've been taking a lot of these FCS teams against these FBS teams, you've done quite well for yourself as taking the points has proved to be very profitable. But when you take a look at Colorado State, you figured that this would be a team in which you wouldn't necessarily put them at like the top of the Mountain West or anything like that. But man, with them currently being down to Vanderbilt and the way that it's gone down, 21 to 14, got about 11 minutes left in the fourth quarter. It's just something that you wouldn't expect. You've got Todd Catalanato. He's gone 14 of 27 for the team. He's throwing an interception. That is not necessarily about what you were expecting there. And for Vanderbilt, I'm someone that I actually used to work at the official flagship station of the Commodores. They've always have had a good ground game. You just never know what you're going to be able to get out of the pass game. And for Ken Seals, 22 of 37 for 214 yards and two touchdowns. You're going to take that if you're Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt, year in and year out, a bunch of which just doesn't necessarily move the ball the best through the air, but Chris Pierce Jr. has proved to be a solid wide receiver for them. He's got 76 yards and a touchdown tonight, so that has been very effective for them. And for the Colorado State Bunch, what else is a real calamity for them is the fact that they're currently down by seven points. Big reason why, Caden Camper, 0 of 2 on his field goals. So that is something that you've always got to be taking a look at because there are typically some shenanigans when it comes to some of these college kickers, and currently we are seeing that out in Fort Collins, Colorado, so we're certainly going to be keeping our eye on that. Also going to be keeping our eye on some of the lesser games as well because it doesn't matter what the game is, in my opinion. Money is money. It doesn't matter whether you're betting Oregon State versus Ohio State. It doesn't matter if you're betting something like Valparaiso versus North Dakota State, and if you want to take in North Dakota State today, well... You want to coming through if you want to blame the 46 and a half points as they were able to win by kind of 64 to zero. But I mean, it's just all about being able to pick winners right now. You've got out there in an FBS versus FCS matchup. Cal Poly just getting absolutely drubbed. It is 63 to 10. Fresno State has the lead. And we recall Fresno State wound up looking very impressive in what is technically week zero. That is one of those things of which I wish they didn't call week zero, but they do. And they wound up looking very impressive there. And then against an Oregon team that we're going to be getting into a little bit later. 
was able to give you a very nice win and cover if you wound up taking them with the points, if you wound up taking them on the money line, pretty much any form or fashion. If you had an Oregon bet, you were feeling very good on this Saturday. They were able to hang in there to the tune of a touchdown, and they're currently up by a count of 63-10 to 10 over Cal Poly. They were laying 33 points, which you could tell you just how harebrained some of these matchups wind up getting when it's FBS versus FCS, which is why there is such a value, in my opinion, when it comes to taking the points, because while you're going to have a team like Cal Poly get overmatched, and there are occasions where you're going to have this, where a team like the Mustangs just winds up getting completely run out of the building. You've got other cases in which if a team is down, say like 21, 21, 24 points, and maybe this spread is, say something like a 30, a 31, you oftentimes will get with a lot of these FBS teams, them show a little bit of mercy in the fourth quarter. A lot of these are buy games as well. So that is something that you always want to take a look at when it comes to college football, college basketball, pretty much any of these sports in which you do wind up dealing with buy games because when you get into the end of the game, that is something that you need to focus on. I know that a lot of handicappers wind up taking first halves as a result. I can't necessarily hate on that, especially if you're able to find a good way of being able to zone out how a team does in the first half versus the second half. We saw this a few years ago when Alabama, it just felt like would cover every first quarter and every first half. And then in the second half, they would just pretty much send out all the second stringers. They didn't want to get at the time to a tag of Iloa injured. So that is something that you do always want to be taken into account. And then we've got another FBS versus FCS game going down right now in Nevada versus Idaho State. Idaho State right now hanging in there. They close anywhere between a 35 to a 35 and a half point underdog. They're down by a count of 28 to 10. Needless to say, if Idaho State were to be able to score three times and be able to pull off the W, that'd be somewhat of a shocker. But certainly if you want to take the points, you've got to be feeling pretty good about this one right now. Got a Nevada bunch in which they should be pretty solid out there in the Mountain West. But at the same time, you do have a squad as well that they have been a little bit rocky as Pretty much all forms of Nevada college football have been in recent years. You could throw in there UNLV when it comes to college basketball as well. But what I think is going to be really marquee and something that you want to be taking a look at is if you also want to take in the points with UNLV on this site. They are at minimum being able to hang in there with Arizona State. Arizona State has been able to put a little bit of separation between they and the running Rebels. But still, this is not necessarily what you are expecting out of Herm Edwards squad. 28. 7 to 10 is currently the score as we're in the early goings of the fourth quarter in this one. About 13 minutes left. And for UNLV, they've been able to do a solid job of being able to contain Jaden Daniels. Daniels, 16 of 25, 114 yards. He does a good job as a dual threat. 125 yards via the ground, but the aerial attack hasn't necessarily been there for Arizona State. UNLV, they've been able to sustain a couple drives. They've really tried to pound it as they've run the ball 25 times for 82 yards. So they've done a good job of at minimum, not getting completely blown out in this one. And it's just been the theme if you've been betting the Pac-12 all day, really, other than Oregon. It has been a little bit of tough sledding there as it continues to be tough if you wind up taking USC as it looked like there was a punt attempt and it got tipped a little bit. So this is going to set up Stanford in good field position as they wound up actually running into the punter. That's why we wound up having a little bit of a redo. But we've got USC currently punting from their own end of the field as it looks like we've got a fourth and 10 upcoming. So the woes of USC just continue. So we're certainly going to be taking a look at this. We're going to be recapping a lot of what we wound up seeing on a fun college football Saturday as well. That's going to be coming up next. It's a little bit of a new look here on the Vegas Hats and Information Network with the Bet Center. But 
Same great things that you always love, all about cashing tickets, all about giving you guys some great bettable information. We're going to be doing that over the next three hours right here on the VEASAN Bet Center. I am Greg Peterson taking you along. If you want to get interactive, at GUnit underscore on Twitter for myself, at VEASAN Live for the network. So we'll be right back right here on VEASAN's Bet Center. This is Bet Center on VEASAN, the sports betting network. is Beth Center on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. You're looking for some good news? Well, VSN is now available 24/7 on the YouTube TV Sports Plus package. Sign up today at tv.youtube.com to start your free trial and remember, you can always watch us 24/7 on Fubo TV, Sling and Xfinity X1. Visit vcin.com to find all the ways to watch and listen to vcin. Welcome back to the vcin Bet Center. It is Greg Peterson taking you up until 1 a.m. Pacific, 4 a.m. Eastern. We've got a little bit of a newly revamped schedule. I am very glad to be a part of it. You guys heard Jeff Parles along with Ben Wilson a little bit earlier. They did a great job of holding it down, and it's going to be just a great time in general as Football is back. We're going to be talking a little bit about the NFL later on in the show because we're going to have some very marquee games of week one. And as we know, week one is what we always build up towards and we always get the overreactions based on what winds up happening in that first game. So it's all a whole bunch of fun. And it is a whole bunch of fun to be able to take a look at college football on a Saturday as well. It's good to have the fans back. Good to have everything that we wound up seeing. And the one thing that's not good is if you're a fan of a Pac-12 program that's not Oregon right now because, well, right now it is USC who's just getting absolutely housed by Sanford. I should say it's a bad night if you're a Pac-12 fan of anyone other than Oregon or Sanford because the Cardinal have come in. They have been able to get the job done thus far against USC, 28-13. to They wound up just getting the ball back. It's first and 10 in their own territory right around the 45 or so yard line, 240 left in the third quarter and. Man, this is not going well for USC live. They are plus eight and a half points. So if you want Sanford live right now, you're laying eight and a half points at most jurisdictions. This total is currently at 58 and a half. This was a total that wound up closing more in the neighborhood about 53 to 53 and a half, depending on where you wound up getting the number. As we know, Sanford, a little bit more notorious for defense than their offense. And we did see it in week one. The warning signs were there with USC. Keaton Slovis did not wind up doing a whole heck of a lot. As we know with Clay Helton, he's not necessarily a guy that is going to completely revolutionize the game of college football with his play calling and everything like that. And that is very apparent here tonight. And when you just take a look at the Pac-12 in general, how big of a calamity has it been for this conference aside from Oregon? Oregon, they go in, they wind up getting that big win against Ohio State. And boy, do they need it because we're going to get into Washington in a few minutes to lose to Montana. I mean, come on, week one, they wind up losing that game, and then they wind up getting housed by Michigan. I know that a lot of people were laughing at anyone that wound up taking Michigan futures, and I certainly don't think that they're going to be winning the national title, but it is very clear that if you're looking at it from a conference-by-conference perspective, though Ohio State wound up losing, I think that that might be a little bit of a bigger indictment on Ohio State rather than the Big Big Ten as a whole because we even wound up seeing in week one, Maryland be able to get the job done against West Virginia, being able to get that win. But you just take a look at what wound up happening with Oregon. This is a bunch of which I feel like they are now 
very clearly the class of the Pac-12, and I don't think that there's any question about it, as it looked like there was going to be a touchdown for Sanford, but there's a flag on the field with that, so we're going to check in on that in a second, but you just take a look at what Oregon was able to do against Ohio State, and for C.J. Stroud, he certainly put on a clinic when it came to just a numbers perspective. He didn't get the one number that winds up mattering in the end. That's a W, but how about C.J. Stroud? 35 of 54, 484 yards, three touchdowns. He also did have an interception in this one. And for Anthony Brown, it certainly was a more efficient day from him. He wasn't necessarily going to go out there and was going to log big numbers. 235 yards for the air, only 17 of 35, but it's what he didn't do. He didn't turn the ball over, and that's just sometimes so critical when it comes to college football because it is so hard for some of these defenses to get off the field. Oregon was able to do a good job of bending but not breaking in this game as well as C.J. Verdell. He was able to be very solid for Oregon as he wound up having a receiving touchdown on the ground. 20 carries, 161 yards. That's just such a premium for an Oregon Ducks team, which year in and year out, we always talk about how good the offense is. We talk about how they're able to do this, that, and the other. It really starts up front. We all remember Penny Sewell. He wanted being a top 10 pick this year in the NFL draft. Oregon just does a good job of just always having guys on that offensive line that it always feels like they get drafted and they always seem to be pretty darn solid. So I think that that's where it really winds up starting for Oregon. And when you take a look at Ohio State, this is a bunch in which they weren't able to get any Oregon turnovers whatsoever. So that was a little bit of an issue for this bunch. And when you take a look at Oregon as well, this team was one in which they were able to get set up by their special teams as well. They were able to do a good job on all of their kick returns. I don't think that Ohio State wanted punting in this game at all as they wound up having a couple failed fourth downs, but it was certainly a great game for Oregon being able to get the job done through the ground. That is exactly how they're going to look to do it. And then, and then you just take a look at what wound up happening with the other Pac-12 versus Big Ten game. It was just the complete opposite for Washington. I felt like coming into the year, the offense was going to be a big question mark for this team. You knew that the defense was going to be relatively solid. And well, we have our up. Well, we have our answers on that offense. Not good, to say the least. They wind up only scoring 10 points on Michigan now with the Wolverines. No question. This is a very solid defensive team, so there's no shame in not necessarily being able to light the world on fire, but at the same time, you need to be able to muster a little bit more than 10 points. This certainly is not your father's Washington Huskies team, as you wind up having Dylan Morris under center today. Give you 293 yards. He was able to get a touchdown, but on the ground, 32 carries for 50 yards. Where's Miles Gaskin when you need him for Washington? Meanwhile, for Michigan, this team wanted racking up, I kid you not, 343 yards on the ground. This is Jim Harbaugh just being able to do some great work with regards to mixing and matching because, once again, the quarterback situation isn't the best for Michigan. When's the last time you've really had a great quarterback since Chad Henney, even for that matter? I mean, it's been a very long time for Michigan, but you were able to have Blake Corum be able to give you 171 yards not one, not two, but three touchdowns as it looks like it's getting even worse for another one of the top teams coming into the season out there in the Pac-12 as Sanford has been able to put up a touchdown on the ground. That makes it 34-13. to Prior to this drive, you were able to get Sanford live at minus 8.5. Well, you're not going to be getting Sanford below double digits now as it has been just an absolutely cataclysmic go of it for him right now. Betting is suspended because Sanford just wound up punching it in, so PAT is pending, but it looks like Sanford, if they're going to be able to hit this, is going to be going up by 22 points, 25 seconds remaining in the third quarter, and 
man, this is not looking good if you've got USC. Looking a little bit better if you've got the over in this game, though, because this is a total that it did wind up closing in the realm of about 53, 53 and a half. So any touchdown by either side, that is going to cash this one for you. But it's not looking great there. Looking a little bit better for one of the other teams out there in the Pac-12, though. Oregon State, a team that I feel like has just been a real pest the last couple years. They're not a bunch of which are going to be competing for a Pac-12 title. This is not a team that is necessarily going to wow you in one specific category, but they're just a team in which they do the little things well, and they're doing that right now against Hawaii. Now, Hawaii in both college football and college basketball, away from the mainline, they're a team that they perennially struggle a little bit, but Oregon State currently leading by a count of 31-13. to This game has about six minutes left in the third quarter. You wound up having Oregon State laying 11 points in this one with a total between 65 and 65 and a half points. So if you wind up taking the over in this one, it's probably going to be a little bit of a sweat for you, especially if this continues to be a little bit of a three-score game because then you might wind up seeing the backups of Oregon State in the last couple minutes. They wind up running out the clock, and that is certainly something that could wind up hurting you, but if you're Oregon State, got to be feeling very good about this one after they wound up giving good chase to Purdue in week one, wound up losing that game by kind of 30 to 21, but certainly showed some good fight on the road in the central time zone, which is not necessarily easy for some of these Pac-12 teams, and what I'm very impressed by when it comes to Oregon State is just the way that they've been able to do a good job of being able to bottle up this Hawaii ground game as they are 20 two carries, 77 yards. They do have a touchdown on the ground. That is with Calvin Turner Jr., but he has been shut down to only 19 yards to this point. So Oregon State has been able to do a great job there. And B.J. Baylor, two touchdowns for this bunch, 131 yards chance. Nolan has certainly looked the part for this bunch as well, as we've got another score to get you up to date on. Jaron Hall, 66 yards on the ground for the touchdown. BYU was wondering what would happen without Mr. Wilson at the helm. Well, so far, so good for BYU. That score puts them up by a count of 29 to 17. You've got the PAT pending. About eight minutes left in the fourth quarter in this one. Looks like there might have been a little bit of a penalty after the play, but for BYU, this is exactly what you want to be able to try to replace a top-flight quarterback that wound up getting that wound up getting taken in the top five in the NFL draft. So certainly things are going well there, and for Utah. You take a look at this bunch, and it certainly has been tough sledding for them, and that's putting it as politely as it can be. As It looks like that touchdown was taken off the board. That's why the ref came on. So back to 23-17, to 17, it was a long run in which apparently there was a step out of bounds, so that's what the review was about. So we've got 23-17. to 17. Once again, another Pac-12 team in Utah. Not necessarily looking so stellar. This is one of the biggest rivalries that you're going to find, by the way, in BYU versus Utah. These are a pair of schools that they don't necessarily like each other. It's like your big brother and your little brother having a little bit of a battle. And speaking of battles, we're going to be talking a little bit more about what we've seen on this college football Saturday. But also, I always do a pick for the New York Post when it comes to baseball. I'm going to let you guys in behind the curtain, let you guys know I'm looking at for Sunday as well. That is right here on VEASAN's Bet Center. This is Beth Center on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. The football season is here, and starting this weekend, VSIN has added new talent and new shows to help you make the most 
of the fall betting action. The VEASAN lineup will now expand to 21 hours every weekday, and we've got new weekend programming as well. I'm typically not here. Typically, we are off by 10.30 p.m. Pacific, 1.30 a.m. Eastern, and glad to be aboard for it. We want to give you the latest odds. Stay up to date on some of the big in-game betting opportunities for every key game across the country. VSIN has added new personalities to our existing world-class team, including former professional athletes, sports media veterans, and, of course, strategic sports bettors. VSIN.com is where you need to go to view the new lineup, meet our new talent, and make the most of the best time of season to bet as it is now the football season. And I'm glad to be back with you, Greg Peterson, coming at you from the VEASAN Bet Center. If you're looking to follow along with VEASAN on Twitter, that is at VSIN Live for myself at GUnit underscore 81 as we've got Wyatt back there doing a great job of holding things down. Miles and Nick, thank you so much for all of your hard work tonight as well. And speaking of hard work, Stanford's putting in hard work. USC... Right now, they need to put in a little bit more work. 35-13, to 13, Stanford has the ball back, and it has just been a complete bludgeoning to this point, as it is Stanford who has the ball at their own 30-yard line. Caden Slovis has not looked like Heisman Trophy candidate. Heck, he hasn't necessarily even looked like an above-average quarterback tonight, as Stanford has just been all over him on defense. There was a pick six that we wound up seeing in the third quarter that has really now put the scene behind the eight ball. Tanner McKinney. Tanner McKee has not necessarily done a ton for Stanford tonight. He hasn't needed to because the Stanford defense has been really darn good. And when you wind up having on the ground about 105 yards and you keep on getting good field position, that's going to put you in good shape. As Slovis, who I was mentioning a little bit earlier, 19 of 32, a buck 52, zero touchdowns, and one interception. So you wind up taking a future on Caden Slovis for the Heisman Trophy. Not in good shape right now. Obviously, we're in just week two and as we know, when it comes to college football, when it comes to pretty much any of these awards, whether it be baseball, whether it be the NFL, this goes on and on. A lot of it does center around what we wind up seeing later in the season, but not a good start to say the least. And if you're looking to take Stanford live, well, you're going to be laying 19 and a half points here. If you're looking to take a shot with USC, you think that they can claw their way back. Plus 19 and a half in a lot of spots is where you're finding them right now. So this one has gotten a little bit lopsided. If you're looking to take another Pac-12 team live, that would be in the Oregon State versus Hawaii game. Right now with Oregon State, seeing them at a lot of shops, somewhere in between that 11.5 to 13.5 realm. So we're seeing a little bit of movement there as Oregon State currently is up on Hawaii by kind of 31 to 20 as Hawaii has been able to storm their way back in what has been a not-so-great day. For the Pac-12, I want to mention in the last segment just how bad Washington wound up looking against Michigan. But for Oregon State, they're currently up by kind of 30-20. to 20. This game is late in the going in the third quarter. And for Oregon State, they've been able to do a relatively decent job on defense. But it seems like Hawaii has been able to get a little bit of something going as Chevon Cordero has been able to do a good job for this bunch, being able to use his feet as he's got nine carries for 39 yards. Calvin Turner has a touchdown for this bunch as well, but the last touchdown wound up coming through the air. You've got Codero, who has thrown two interceptions, so that has been the main bugaboo for him. But Hawaii trying to claw their way back. Did not necessarily wind up looking so good in their first test of the season. Was able to bounce back last week as they were able to get a win over Portland State, but it looks like it might be back-to-back -back losses for them against Pac-12 foes. And the big question is, are they going to be able to have enough in them to be able to make a run as it is now a little bit of a stampede here for Hawaii as they did wind up tacking on that PAT to make it 31-20. to 20. But 
as we know, there's a lot of betting opportunities this time of year. And I think that it's a great time of year. We're going to have the NBA back in a little bit about over a month or so. But I know many of you guys are concerned about football. But we also have baseball involved in the fold as well. These races are getting very exciting when it comes to trying to get into the postseason. And with the New York Post every day, I wound up giving out a baseball play that I like a lot of the times because you wind up doing these overnight. As many of you guys know, if you wind up petting baseball, a lot of it is just being able to find a good pitching matchup. And I think that we've got a tremendous pitching matchup in the city of Chicago. As you've got the Chicago Cubs, they're going to be playing us the San Francisco Giants. The San Francisco Giants just completely wallop them today. Or if you're actually on the East Coast yesterday, because now it's 1.30 a.m., one of those things in which it all depends on where you're at. But with the Giants, they've looked solid all season long. And with the San Francisco Giants, a big reason why they currently have the best record in all of baseball, that would be because they've got a guy that is going to be taking the mound on Sunday by the name of Logan Webb. In the last 15 games that he has served for the San Francisco Giants, he's given up three runs or fewer in every one of them, and he has given up two runs or fewer in 14 out of those 15 starts. The lone exception, oh yeah, he went to elevation, played at Coors Field, wound up going seven innings, giving up three runs, ho-hum performance but he has been absolutely amazing for the team and Justin Steele on the other side for the Chicago Cubs has certainly been far from great he has yet to exceed five innings in any of his starts so far this year and as we know the Chicago Cubs they did wind up selling away a lot of their bullpen pieces at the trade deadline you no longer have Ryan Tapera you certainly don't have Craig Kimbrell in the fold guys like this but at the same time you still have a fairly respectable Chicago Cubs team that has a guy by the name of Frank Schwindel who's been able to give the team seven home runs over the last 14 games so they've been able to get a little bit of something going there but as of right now we're seeing some initials some initial totals come out and what makes baseball unique from so many other sports is that the total is really dictated by the weather we'll see this during the football season when you wind up getting rain you wind up getting snow but as I'm sure that many of you guys have heard a lot of times when it comes down to the NFL and being able to bet a lot of those totals as well it does depend on exactly what it depends on when it comes to these Wrigley Field games the wind you wind up having some dome environments so you wind up having absolutely no change there but when the wind is blowing out in Wrigley Field it certainly leads to a heightened total when the wind is blowing in it certainly leads to these totals dropping so the bookmakers they always have to prepare for that which is why typically you're going to find a lot of books that they wind up holding off on putting out a total until the morning of but we do have a couple totals out here in Las Vegas circa right behind me they've got a nine and a half on this game you're finding that juice on Giants versus Cubs with the over at minus 120 and the under at even this is 909 910 on the betting board if you're looking to follow along by the way and for this one, I'm going to be taking a look at the under. I'm going to be giving this one out for the New York Post because with Logan Webb, I wound up going through the superlatives of him. But you take a look even further at the San Francisco Giants team. They've got the league's best ERA. Yes, better than the Tampa Bay Rays, better than what we've seen out of the San Diego Padres. And boy, have they fallen on some tough times. They were able to make a little bit of a stampede late in their game against the LA Dodgers, but they wound up losing another one. And this is a team that if you take a look at their schedule, good grief, they are going to need to earn it if they're going to be making it into the postseason. But getting back to Giants versus Cubs, I do like the under in this spot. I want to saying this total personally a little bit closer to eight. You are going to be noticing, as I was mentioning a little bit earlier with the win, it's going to be blowing out a tab, but it's not going to be anything that is going to be too costly. And with Logan Webb as well, one good way to be able to mitigate win 
be a ground ball pitcher. He is getting the ball on the ground about 62% of the time that opponents make contact. That is relatively solid. And he's been able to do a good job of being able to up his swing and miss stuff as well. So I think that that's going to be very critical in this game. Now, as we know, the San Francisco Giants have been able to do a great job when it comes to their offense as well. They've been pounding out home run after home run, leading all of baseball with regards to home runs per game on the road. So going to be looking at that under despite that just because it is a spot in which I'm going to be trusting in Logan Webb. I think that Justin Steele, the fact that he's got a sub-4 ERA at Wrigley Field as a starter, that is something that you're able to rely upon as well. And it's certainly a whole heck of a lot more reliable than this USC defense as shock, shock, surprise, surprise, Stanford has scored again. If you want to take this total over, it has just gone over. The extra point is good. 42 to 13. Thanks for showing up, USC. This has been an absolute calamity. They are going to be probably the most embarrassed team in all of college football in this one as this is just not good. You've got a USC team that they were favored in a lot of spots by between 16 and a half and 17 and a half points. This was toggling back and forth throughout the day and for that matter throughout the week. A lot of places wound up closing this at 17 and a half points and gosh, this is looking very, very good if you wound up taking Stanford in any form or fashion. The money line, the points, the alternate spread. What have you? And total wound up closing at 53 and a half. So you've already got that over. And if you're looking at another team out there in the Pac-12, unlikely to cover. But things have gotten a little bit hairier after Arizona State was really struggling with UNLV. It is now a count of 37 to 10. Arizona State has the lead over UNLV. It looks like this is probably where this game is going to wind up wrapping up because we have noticed that Arizona State has called off the dogs a little bit in this one. But needless to say, Herm Edwards has gotten into his guys. They've looked much better as this was for a lot of the first and second half. About a one-score game, Arizona State, they have been able to just completely bludgeon UNLV here late. They are on a 16-0 run here in the fourth quarter, and Jaden Daniels, he's been able to do a little bit of everything. 125 yards on the ground, buck 75 through the air, pair of passing touchdowns from UNLV was doing a good job of being able to keep the game close because they did a good job of being able to run it, but... When you wind up getting down by multiple scores, you need to put the ball in the air. And for UNLV, a combined 7 of 19 for 67 yards. That just is not going to cut it. Hopefully, I'll be able to cut it for you guys in the next segment, though, because we take a look at what we've all seen in college football today here on VEASAN's Bet Center. This is Bet Center on VEASAN, the sports betting network. This is Beth Center on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Make this football season your best sports betting season ever. Start your VSIN free trial today to get access to our full sports betting experts, including 24 7 video streaming, daily best bets emails, betting splits with the money and ticket percentages on every single game, plus full access to vcin.com data and analysis. You get everything vcin has to offer for only $22 a month. Sign up now at vcin.com slash subscribe. Welcome back here to the vcin bet center. It is myself, Greg Peterson. I've got you until 4 a.m. Eastern, 1 o'clock a.m. Pacific time. As they always say, it is 5 o'clock somewhere. So if you're out there, if you're outside the United States, we welcome you in as well. And we welcome in the chance to be able to make some money. And if you want to take in BYU, well, you made yourself some money. 
whether you took the money line, whether you want to take in some sort of an alternate spread, whether you took the spread itself. They want them closing right around a touchdown underdog in a lot of spots, and they are going to be able to get it done. It's just the clock rolling down at this point. Got a little bit over a minute left. BYU up 26-17. They are very, very happy out there in Provo. As you're seeing, like, the backwards use and everything like that. This is a big-time rivalry when it comes to college football. These are two schools that, well, they have a little bit of disdain for each other, and BYU getting the best of this one. As if you want to take in this total under, that is going to come home for you as well. As this is a total that wound up closing in a lot of spots between 50 and 50 and a half. Well, opened at 47 and a half, so it is not going to go over that opening total either. So goes under on all numbers, and we've got another one out there involving a Pac-12 team that wound up going final. And hey, how about another Pac-12 team that is not going to cover? Arizona State. They just wound up winning but not covering against UNLV by kind of 37 to 10. Now, with Arizona State, looked significantly better in the second half. They were able to outscore UNLV by kind of 16 to 0 in the fourth quarter. But also keep in mind, this is a UNLV team that they lost in pretty much the first college football game that we wound up seeing in the lovely city of Nevada ever since the pandemic. You wind up having a new stadium in Legion Air, and well, UNLV lost to Eastern Washington. That tells you exactly where UNLV is at right now. If you're looking for a little bit of encouragement when it comes to the Pac-12, though, one Pac-12 team has to cover in this one. You've got Sanford and USC, and USC just wound up putting a touchdown on the board. Kane Slovis, welcome to the game. Finally threw a touchdown. It is now a count of 42-19 to with a PAT pending. 6.30 left in the fourth quarter. So if you wanted to playing the 17.5 points with USC, I would say that you can pretty much use that ticket for kindling fire at this point. The only question is what winds up happening from here if you wind up jumping in in-game because this got to Sanford being about a minus 21.5 point favorite on the in-game number. Got to figure that this is going to come down a little bit with USC being able to get the touchdown as typically it suspends when you wind up having the PAT, but... Certainly not a good run of it for USC as they do tack on the extra point. 42 to 20 is currently your score out there. But let's take a look at a little bit of what we wound up seeing in college football today because we've been hitting mostly on the Pac-12 and rightfully so. Those are the games that are going on right now. But if you were a fan of the Iowa Hawkeyes, if you were a Hawkeyes better, it was a very good day for you. And it was a good day for the Big Ten in general. Maryland just completely thumped the tar out of Howard. You wound up having Michigan, as I alluded to a few segments ago, absolutely take it to Washington. And in this one, Iowa, who wound up closing as about a four and a half point underdog in a lot of spots. They wind up taking down Iowa State by a count of 27 to 17. And I know that our wonderful producer, Wyatt, he wound up having the under in this one. And Iowa State was in a situation which the final score reflects it. They were down by 10 points. They decided, you know what? We're down two scores. Let's try to kick the field goal now. And they missed the field goal. So those are some of those things in which if you wound up taking the over, it is the agony of defeat. If you wound up taking the under, it is all about the thrill of victory. It all depends on what side you've got because you've got good wins and you've got bad beats. So there is always a little bit of that. But my biggest takeaway for Iowa State Brock Purdy, he is pretty average, and he wound up getting lifted from this one as Hunter Deckers winds up coming in. He was able to go 11 of 16 for a buck 14 and a touchdown, and as Purdy, three interceptions. I said he was pretty average. I should say pretty below average, as you wound up having Spencer Patrice 
for Iowa, he looked very good. He was able to give you a touchdown, and it's what he didn't do. Unlike Purdy, you didn't have a single interception thrown by the Hawkeyes. Hawkeyes only, by the way, wind up running for 67 yards on 39 carries. They just did a good job in general of being able to control this game as Brees Hall, who, in my opinion, is one of the better running backs in all of college football. He had a rough go of it in week one against Northern Iowa. In this one, 16 carries, 69 yards, was able to give you a touchdown, but you just expect a little bit more from, in my opinion, one of the better running backs in all of college football. So that was no question. A little bit of a calamity for Iowa State. And then you've got another team that was a former Big 12 member. Obviously, they are now in a little bit more of a powerful conference and a conference in which wound up poaching a couple of Big 12 teams in the SEC. And the team that I'm talking about, that would be Texas A&M. They got the win against Colorado, but it was not necessarily the sort of performance that you were looking for out of Texas A&M. We know that this defense is going to be very solid. Have some question marks on offense, and they certainly came out in this one. 10-7, to Texas A&M winds up getting done against Colorado. Now, Colorado was one of the lone bright spots for the Pac-12 on this day, obviously, along with Oregon, who was able to get the W against Ohio State, despite the fact that Ohio State wound up having C.J. Stroud throw for over 480 yards in that one. But you take a look at what Texas A&M was able to do. They were able to just do a good job once again of not turning the ball over. It's just such a theme from this college football Saturday as with Colorado. Brendan Lewis actually wound up doing an okay job of just being able to be a little bit of a game manager, was able to use his legs for 76 yards, but 89 yards through the air and an interception, not going to cut it because with Texas A&M as a whole, they wound up throwing for only a buck 91, 19 of 40, but the thing that they didn't have was an interception, which was so big in this one for Texas A&M. You did wind up having a lost fumble as well, so that was a little bit of an issue, but for the Buffaloes, it was just a case in which they didn't wind up doing the little things as well as Cole Becker wound up missing a field goal in this one, and Seth Small wound up missing one as well for Texas A&M, but he came up with the 41-yarder when the team needed it towards the end of the first half to be able to get the team to victory. And for Texas A&M, they were able to mount that scoring drive in the fourth quarter as well when they badly needed it too. So for Texas A&M, a little bit of a survive and advance game. And ironically enough for Notre Dame, it was also a survive and advance game for them as they wind up winning by a kind of 32 to 29. I know that a lot of people might wind up saying that some of these non-conference games are a little bit of an overreaction, but Keep in mind, when it comes to Clemson, a team that they were able to get back on track in this one, no team has ever made the college football playoff after losing week one. Now, we've seen it with Ohio State. They wound up having that bad loss to Virginia Tech in the first year of this current format, and they wound up winning the whole shebang under good old 12-gauge, as that was one of the more interesting years of college football that I can remember. But with Notre Dame, very far from being able to cover 16.5 points. And look, Toledo, they're certainly not a team that you're going to be taking a look at and they're not necessarily going to strike fear in you, but at the same time, they're a top quality MAC team year in and year out. They're always competing very hard out there in the Mid-American Conference, but for Notre Dame, what was good to see was that Jack Cohen was able to give you a pair of touchdowns and Taylor Buckner wound up coming in three of three. He was able to give you a touchdown through the air as well, so that was very beneficial for the team as he also wound up running for 68 yards on the ground, so you had a little bit of this and that going on with Notre Dame, and with this Notre Dame team, you typically just expect the defense to be a little bit more stout than it was. We wound up seeing this in the Florida State game as well. Perhaps there was a little bit of a hangover after they wound up having a 
a big lead against Florida State. They wind up blowing it, but they wind up being able to come back and being able to get the W in that one. Perhaps there was a little bit of lingering effects. Maybe it was a short week that wound up getting to them, but no question. Notre Dame seemed to sleepwalk a little bit in this one, and then they needed to put up a double-digit amount of points in the fourth quarter to be able to get the W in this one. It was much easier going for teams like in Auburn, who was able to just take it to Alabama State by kind of 65 to nothing. Alabama, once again, they wind up being able to get it done. Did not wind up covering against Mercer if you wound up laying like 100 million billion points, but still, uh, these SEC teams, they loaded up on cupcakes. And for Georgia, give them a little bit of credit. I do recognize that UAB is not necessarily a team that is going to be a top 10 team when it's all said and done or anything like that. But ever since UAB has re brought back their college football team, they've actually been relatively solid in Georgia. They backed up what they were able to do against Clemson in a big way in this one. 56 to seven as Stetson Bennett wound up going 10 of 12 for 288 yards. Not one, not two, not three, not four, but five touchdowns in the absence of JT Daniels. So, that was incredibly entertaining to be able to watch. We've had a great college football Saturday, and we're going to be keeping tabs on some of these late games as they wind up wrapping up, but this is the time of year in which you've got some primetime baseball. Obviously, the NFL is going to be coming back in full force. For some of you guys on the East Coast today, for us out here on the West Coast, it's going to be starting up tomorrow. So in hour three, going to be hitting a lot of NFL. In the next hour, going to be hitting quite a bit of MLB action for Sunday as well. Right here on the VSIM Bet Center with myself, Greg Peterson.